Welcome to Startup Syndrome with me, Julia Delin. And me, Andreas Johansson. My favorite is when they implemented a new law about crowdfunding in the US. And the law is called Crowdfund Act, which stands for Capital Raising Online While Deterring Fraud and Unethical Non-Disclosure. <laughs> Spells crowdfund. <laughs> this is a podcast where you get an unfiltered view of Stockholm's vibrant startup scene, also known as one of the greatest in the world. So, Julia, you've been busy in the last few months uh, signing a lot of convertible notes with our newly admitted startups. Yes, it is the instrument of choice that we've had for the fund that we have started investing out of. Yeah, and I've uh, noticed more and more uh, that convertible notes are starting to be used more and more. Yeah. But I've also heard from a lot of investors that when our, for instance, our companies want to use convertible notes, they often hear, what is this? I have never heard of this before. Yeah. So let's educate the public about <laughs> convertible notes. Yeah. So a convertible note is basically an investment instrument that allows investors to invest money today, but we don't set a valuation of the company. It's basically like a loan. So I loan you money to your company as an investor, and then it converts to shares when you do a financing round, basically. And... It's a way for investors basically to not set a valuation. And for us with the fund, it was a way for us to make a very standardized contract for startups that we invest in since we invest in so many and we don't have time to evaluate all of them. Yeah, and uh, for us as, a, as an incubator, you either have the choice of with each team or with each company negotiating the valuation and the terms and so on or creating a standardized agreement but for an equity round, which might not fit all companies and might be very kind of maladapted to some of them. So this is a very good way to, to solve that problem. Yeah. And like the obvious question then is, why do you do a convertible note for any like random company or any random round instead of an equity round when you have time perhaps to negotiate the valuation? Yeah, I think there are many benefits yeah. of doing a convertible round. And one of these as a founder or as a company, when you prioritize speed and wanting to close the round or close kind of getting the capital into your bank account quickly, this is a really great method. So of course you don't need to agree on a valuation with your investors because there is no valuation yet. They will convert at the valuation that is in the next equity round. Uh, so that will speed things up because valuations can take some time to kind of agree upon. And also just in general, the, the practical matter of the investors not becoming shareholders yet also means that there's less admin and you can get things done quicker. Yeah. And most often there is a standardized template for a convertible note. So you can usually take what's around online and just use that and implement it. And there are just a few sort of variables that you change and we are going to go through them later on. Yeah. And this thing with not determining evaluation uh, also is good from a strategic standpoint, right? Yeah. So if you're in early stages of building your company, if you're pre-product or pre-launch, your valuation would be very low if you take in an equity round. But this gives you some capital to build even more so that when you actually bring in capital in an equity round, you have a higher valuation. So the end result, even if you bring in capital and these 
convertible notes will convert to shares, the end result in most cases is going to be less dilution for you. Yeah. And now we speak only about the the sort of entrepreneur side and the perks of having a convertible from that side. But but for investors, usually they don't convert at the exact valuation that you have in the next round, but they get a discount on that. And that's sort of how you create this dynamic that it becomes valuable for both sides. It's also a really good tool when the market is shaky, sort of as it is now. It's difficult to understand if the market is unusually high or low or which affects, of course, the valuation of the company. And then it might just be luck or unluckiness if you're raising it around now or in six months and then you might want to give the entrepreneur some leeway or make them not be diluted too much too early and i think this instrument works really well when you're doing bridge rounds because it's kind of an in-between round and maybe you don't want to dilute yourself in two instances and maybe you want this bridge round to be a bit quicker in terms of like the effort that you need to put into it yeah. So it's a really great instrument for, for that. And when we were deciding on the instrument for the fund and how we were going to invest in the startups that we take on, we mostly looked at the WISE, which is like a Swedish version of a safe. And I mean, if you're not into all of this, then that doesn't tell you anything. But the safe is something that Y Combinator created, which is like one of the more renowned accelerators in the world based in the US. And they wanted to have a standardized contract for convertible notes, which they then named SAFE, which stands for a simple agreement for future equity. Which <laughs> Love is that just, acronym. <laughs> yeah, they have so many acronyms. My favorite is when they implemented a new law about crowdfunding in the US. Uh, and the law is called Crowdfund Act, which stands for Capital raising online while deterring fraud and unethical non-disclosure. <laughs> Spells crowdfund. <laughs> I love that. So when SAVES came to Sweden, we also wanted a nice acronym for that. So uh, someone named it WISE, which stands for Warrants for Investment in Startup Equity. And basically... We don't have to go into the details maybe of, of how it's structured, but uh, the WISE is not a convertible note. It's not debt. It actually, it's actually warrants. So it's like options, basically, that the company gives out. And it's a way for you to structure a convertible note so that it doesn't have the negative effects that it usually has. And we're going to talk a bit more about that. Yeah, and... WISE is, of course, wise to use, but <laughs> they said it's not nice enough. Yeah, <laughs> so now there's a new kid on the block, right? <laughs> yeah. So Startup Tools, who is a partner to us actually at the Business Lab, uh, they have this huge toolbox for a bunch of agreements and they create they have created standardized uh, agreements. So most actually use their WISE agreement uh, when they do uh, those kind of rounds here in Sweden. And now I know that they're about to launch or they have already launched something that they called NICE, <laughs> which stands for uh, a neat instrument for convertible equity. So this is <laughs> sort it. of the new <laughs> convertible node standard. And it has uh, the perks of a WISE, but much more simple because it doesn't have the warrants. It's actually a note of debt, but it's not debt, it's equity. So... <laughs> that's confusing i know so let's talk about that let's dig deep into this so why is a convertible note in its old way of being just an iou or like a, a debenture a liability why is that bad for yeah a so 
uh, as you mentioned, originally, this is an instrument which start out as debt. So an investor puts in capital, you owe that investor the money until it converts to shares. But the problem with this is that this actually shows up as debt on the balance sheet, yeah. which can have a lot of implications for the startup. So if you can create a scenario where this is always an asset on the balance sheet rather than debt, this is favorable. Yeah. So when we started speaking to our fund lawyers about the convertible note, they said that there's actually a way for you to use the convertible note without making it debt, but making it an asset. And it's basically in Swedish, it's a, like a forced convertible note. The only difference is that, or I'm I'm sure there are a lot of differences. <laughs> we we should also say that we are not lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the main difference is that the debt is not payable back in cash so the only way that you can get something back when you give out this loan in quote that's through shares yeah and uh, the benefit of this like we mentioned is that uh, never at any point does this show up as debt on the balance sheet and without getting into too many specifics there are a bunch of criteria that you have to meet in order for this to count as an asset rather than a debt yeah and now more auditors have been uh, begun to approve this in Sweden and so it's become somewhat of a standard and uh, I think it was actually quite cool because we know the startup tools uh, team so when we started talking about us doing a forced convertible note they were like yeah we've also seen that it's actually much more simple to do the forced convertible note now that it's working so we are thinking about creating a template for that but we haven't really done it we haven't prioritized it and so together we sort of helped each other a bit with trying to create a template that works now we have separate templates but we're we're talking a lot about what should be included in it and and what is sort of standard in sweden and what standards do we want to set here and i think the main point for investors to keep in mind is that if you have this classical connotation of what a convertible is that it, it is a liability that converts to shares if you're using one of these newer instruments, that is not the case. So yeah. at no point is the company owing you any capital which you have the right to be paid back. So the only way that you are going to get your investment is by the the shares actually converting. Yeah, and if the company goes bankrupt at any point, you have no right to anything back. So it's in the dynamics of the investment, it's going to be the same. Money that you put in is lost uh, if the company goes bankrupt. So there are a bunch of convertible terms that you need to include in any convertible contract. And there are many variables that are important on this term sheet. So let's speak a little bit about them, starting with the valuation cap. Yeah, so... The valuation cap is probably the most important part of a convertible note because in a way it is the valuation that you think is the maximum value of the company at the next fundraise. Many people say that uh, this valuation cap, especially in the US, it's more common than not that these uh, convertible notes always convert at the cap and that's the value that you get out of being an early investor that it converts at maximum the cap but in sweden i think it's more common that you put a valuation that sort of says something about the valuation that you think that you will have at a next race but rather using a discount to give early investors some 
value of investing early. And it's important to keep in mind that a valuation cap is not the same as setting a valuation. So if we just for now disregard any discounts, if you have a valuation cap of say 30 million SEEK and your valuation in the next round is 20 million SEEK, then the investors in the convertible note, their shares will convert at that valuation. The but, 20 million. Yeah, mm. but if the valuation is 40 million SEEK, their shares will still convert at a 30 million valuation. Exactly. So it's the cap, the maximum valuation that they can convert at. Yeah. So let's talk about the discount because I mentioned it. So mm. the discount is usually, if you have it even, it's something that just decreases the valuation cap basically for investors and for us in our contract for example we have it after a certain time period so i think it's quite standard to have a discount of about like 20 to 30 yeah. percent um 30 i would say is in sort of the top yeah uh, i haven't seen higher discounts than 30 percent basically this is a compensation for that investor having taken on a bigger risk because they invested the capital earlier than when the share issue actually happened. Yeah. So it's a compensation for that. Yeah. And I would say the discount is more common in Sweden than it is in the US because in the US you set the cap at the discount. Yeah. We mentioned now that 20 to 30% is somewhat standard. And in terms of the valuation cap, I would say that anywhere between like 20 and 50 million SEEK are examples of what I have seen at least. Yeah. And now we're talking pre-seed. So this is like basically probably your first round. And if it would be a convertible, it would be somewhere here. And uh, I would say this is probably the most important aspect for you as a company to look at and negotiate, if any. Because this is going to really make a difference in dilution if you have a 20 million SEC valuation cap or if you have a 50 million valuation SEC cap. Yeah. So another important variable, there are a few trigger events and you need to determine in advance the levels at which these trigger events actually trigger the conversion of convertible into shares. Yeah, so a trigger event is either that you do a financing round, which is the most common trigger event, but it could also be that you are actually making an exit without having raised more funding. And then that's the time where the convertible triggers. And then you can have other trigger events as well. But for the sake of discussion, let's talk about the minimum raise. Yeah, so usually you would have a, a set amount of capital that if the round size is under a certain amount, that doesn't trigger a conversion. Yeah, and this is because you want to be able as a founder to take in more cash without having that valuation be the valuation that you convert all of the previous uh, convertible note holders on. I would say that this is one of those standards that we have in Sweden, that it would be 1 million sec. If you raise less money than 1 million sec, we don't count it as like a, a round, but most often all pre-seed rounds are at least 1 million sec and above. So something that the old convertible notes had because they were a loan was an interest rate. And it wasn't always so that the interest rate was something that you would have to pay back to the investor on a monthly basis, but it was something that was added to the investment amount. And then in the end, what converted was the total amount, basically, that you invested plus the interest rate. And because we have this new type of convertible, we have a set the interest rate at 0%. So we yeah. definitely don't see this as a loan. Yeah. And then we have the maturity date, which is basically how long you can hold this convertible note for. I haven't seen any of the new versions being out yet, 
But for us, we have a 10-year period. And I mean, the old convertible notes, they were at like two years. So I think we have a very, very long time horizon. And I don't know if that's maybe really bad for us. We'll see about that. But uh, for us, it makes sense to allow our founders to really have time to raise another round if they're about to. And then it really doesn't matter if it's five or 10 years for us. It's just we have a never green structure, obviously. So we set 10 years. And if you set a maturity date, of course, you need to set a valuation at that maturity date. So you can maybe explain how we've done things there. Yeah, so I guess that's also another trigger event. So if you have a convertible note that hasn't been converted to shares at the point of the maturity date, so for us 10 years after you signed the contract, then it has to convert because you can't give back <laughs> the money, right? Because then it's a, a loan. So you actually decide on evaluation at maturity. And what we have seen is that uh, you look at a basically like a 10 to 20% ownership. So we give out loans of 300,000 uh, Swedish crowns. That means that the valuation that we set at maturity is 3 million sec. And a valuation of 3 million sec at maturity it can sound really, really small, but this is just to say that you have something that it converts at. And usually if you haven't converted something during 10 years, maybe you haven't built a really big business. And of course, in my ears, this sounds like the best thing since sliced bread, <laughs> uh, although somewhat complicated, uh, specific ins and outs. Yeah. Uh, but naturally, nothing in life is this simple. So are there some potential downsides or potential cons? Yeah, of course. Like At this point, we've signed a few of these convertible notes already. And what we see is that since it's uh, the convertible note is likened to an equity raise, you still have the same perspective of like the fundraise, you bring in on investors, they, they sign something, they bring you the cash, right? But they don't end up on your cap table. So they're not shareholders, which can create some problems, right? But it's also difficult because you can't really understand the dilution of that race until you raise the next round because you don't know at what valuation you will convert the convertible note at. So this creates problems, especially if you're having multiple convertible notes after each other because they are all like interdependent. It's almost difficult to even calculate it in Excel because like you will get this reference uh, <laughs> like error because you are trying to calculate something that is dependent on the other thing. And uh, I think if you're seeing this as a way of avoiding a valuation negotiation, that could be nice, but it could also be just kicking the can down the road because at some point you need to determine a valuation. So uh, think about that. Yeah. And in most aspects, we were talking about that this is a way for you to run fast. And if you end up having a long valuation discussion with investors anyway, it might be better to just do an equity round. Like there are pros and cons, of course, but also it can be more difficult to bring in multiple investors on the same convertible note. I know that we have like different templates for that and that is a bit more complicated to bring in more, more investors, but I wouldn't say that that's something that would slow you down. It's more that because it's such a new tool and instrument to invest through, maybe you will need some kind of lawyer to look at it. 
And I would say that if you tell others, maybe people outside the startup ecosystem, that you have a convertible, an added benefit could be that they think you have a really cool car. So <laughs> just that alone might be a reason enough. Yeah. So there you have it. Our notes about the convertible notes. <laughs> <laughs> And this week's alumni company, you have picked. Yes, so I chose a company who has used the instrument Convertible Note. Yeah. It's, it's one of our portfolio companies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, it's a company called Polytope. And I think something that all developers probably can agree about is that they hate infrastructure. Hmm. So... If you're working with infrastructure as a developer, you basically have two options. And one is to use one of the huge giants like Google's cloud platform or maybe AWS. And these are very powerful tools and platforms, uh, but also very complicated to use and uh, quite difficult to adapt to your specific use case or your products. And if that doesn't suit you, you can use niche solutions like Netlify or Domino. And they are much more simple to use, but quite limited in scope. They have much more specific use cases, but don't really go beyond that. So Polytope is the solution to this. Their fix is making this platform, which makes it easy for developers to set up the infrastructure that they want in the way that they want it. So kind of filling that gap between these huge giants and these very niche solutions. And they were founded by Andrea Eriksson and Marcus Gubbe, formerly Marcus Josefsson, who entered into the Business Lab quite recently in 2022. And I think this is a super interesting space because, I mean, the market for developer tools is huge. It's at least worth uh, 50 billion, according to estimates that I've seen. Oh, wow. And it's growing at a 20% annual rate. So this is a hot space. And I think with the current AI boom, it's not going to slow down. Mm, I'm happy we invested in them. Yes, <laughs> good investment, I would say. <laughs> and this week's carve-outs. Yeah, I have a carve-out, uh, which I think you'll like. Mm. Uh, as you know, I love making quizzes. Yes. So I usually spend a lot of time ahead of our afterworks to put together something fun with a lot of good anecdotes and jokes and puns. Yeah. But you, if you're in a pinch and you need a quiz for something and don't really have the time to put something together, something that you could do is make a fun Finnish music quiz. Mm. So there are already playlists in Spotify if you just search for Finnish quiz or something. And... What you do is that you play a Finnish cover of a famous song. Uh, and it's quite difficult to tell because they're singing in Finnish and they're quite interesting sounding instruments and so on. <laughs> and then you have everyone guess what the actual song is. So every other song is this Finnish cover and then the next song is the real song. Mm. So it takes zero time or effort, but makes for a good time. Maybe you can make a quiz for our next episode. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Let's see. <laughs> That was it for this week's episode. And as usual, we are back next Wednesday. So talk to you then. Goodbye. Bye bye.
Tackle. 